Well, let's talk to Andrew Lee about these and other issues. Good morning to you, Andrew. Good morning, Michael. All right. Uh, well, Mick reckons Christina Keneally might um, oust Alba. I can't see it happening. I, I can see him perhaps becoming the next Prime Minister uh, with Christina Keneally on the front bench, perhaps. Absolutely. Uh, Anthony Albanese is somebody of great integrity with the full support of the party. Uh, and, you know, we know the next election is going to be a tight-fought one, as they always are. But I'm really confident that uh, our positive policies are going to stand in stark contrast to the, the chaos and dysfunction, uh, the rorts that we've seen from the Morrison government over recent years. All right. Well, Dom Perrottet should be announced as the uh, new Premier of New South Wales this morning. Uh, some thoughts on that? Well, you know, a lot of our attention focused, Marcus, on his socially conservative views, but I think a little bit less on his opposition to locking down Sydney in a timely fashion back in July. And you just got to ask yourself, what would the COVID outbreak in Sydney have looked like if Dom Perrottet had gotten his way and Sydney had taken not a week to lock down, but a month? Uh, you know, that's a sort of Trumpian approach to, uh, to, to the virus, letting it rip through the community uh, in a way that would have quickly overwhelmed our hospitals and could have claimed many more lives. You know, politics is about judgment. And I think in a, in a key moment like that, Dom Perrottet's judgment was badly, badly missing. And uh, his public stashes with uh, Kerry Chant uh, just illustrates uh, how out of step he is uh, with the approach taken by every Premier and Chief Minister in Australia uh, who've worked carefully and collaboratively with their health officials. All right. Now, the downfall of Gladys Berejiklian, obviously, um, th- there are no um, tested allegations as yet before the independent... Well, they're before the Independent Commission Against Corruption. We need to see and allow that process to take place from the 18th of this month. Uh, but you say... Many federal ministers would still have their jobs if Australia had a federal ICAC or wouldn't have their jobs. Is that what you're saying? Well, you've certainly got to ask yourself, uh, you know, Angus Taylor with the Watergate scandal and Grassgates with uh, uh, the allegation his office forged a document to discredit Clover Moore, Bridget McKenzie with sports rorts, uh, Peter Dutton's intervention to give visas to European au pairs, uh, Barnaby Joyce's involvement in the in the Watergate affair, uh, and uh, you know Paul Fletcher's uh, fast tracking of uh, of a grant to uh, to Foxtel with no competitive tendering, you know just a handful of the scandals that uh, a federal ICAC would surely be looking into. But hang on, but Barnaby didn't... Joyce calls the Independent Commission Against Corruption nothing more than a witch hunt, uh, and saying that it uh, unfairly. Uh, basically accuses people of being guilty before being found otherwise, and he's not a fan of the Independent Commission Against Corruption, the Deputy Prime Minister. Well, I can understand why very few Liberals would be. Uh, you know, you, you think about uh, the way in which the Alan Tudge managed the $660 million car parks fund, or the way in which uh, Michael Sukar got his, branch, his, uh, his office uh, to, uh, to, to do branch stacking. You know, there is uh, a lot of mis- misdeeds among this, uh, this mob uh, and an uh, com- independent commission against corruption at the federal level would be looking into all of that. Uh, the, Scott Morrison promised one more than a thousand days ago and yet still hasn't delivered. Yeah. And the reason he hasn't delivered is he knows that the people who'd be, who'd be in it sight are his very own ministers. All right, well, I've come across some emails that I will pass on to you. Um, It's broken last night, uh, nothing in the mainstream about it, and I wouldn't hold my breath, but 
there are new allegations in relation to the Prime Minister's office. I've got a couple of emails here that have been passed on to me by Jordan Shanks. Uh, emails that have been sent to the Prime Minister in relation to the Code of Conduct um, and a, a staffer, a former staffer, alleges misconduct and sexual advances by a married man who was a very high staff, uh, up very high within the uh, the echelons of the prime ministerial staff. Uh, I'll send that through to you. It looks quite serious. Um, and there are allegedly been threats made to this whistleblower's to herself and also to her family. Uh, she says the Liberal Party is yet to make uh, to take any disciplinary action against and uh, the emails have been re- redacted at this stage. Uh, but I, I suspect there might be something more to this, Andrew. Uh, Marcus, I'm very happy to take it up. And uh, look, I just want to make a broader point too, which is that uh, federal politics for too long hasn't taken these issues seriously. Uh, mm. That has changed. We have appropriate complaints procedures in place. Uh, we've got better training around, around uh, sexual handling of sexual harassment. I just went through that uh, that training last week, and I think all my federal colleagues will as well. Yeah. Uh, and there is there is a place in federal politics for people who are uh, more soft, softly spoken. Uh, we need need more women working in federal politics. So these sorts of stories, I would hate it if there were talented young women listening to your show who were put off from a career in federal politics because of these these sorts of allegations. Uh, we are clean, cleaning up this this sort of uh, miscon- misconduct, uh, and I would uh, I want to make sure that we don't uh, uh, take away from getting a more diverse staff pool in place. All right, uh, well, uh, as I say, I'll, I'll forward them on to you, but I, f- I find it very interesting. Uh, now, there have been some suggestions that the former Premier of New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian, could consider a federal career, perhaps even run for the seat of Baringa, uh, although I'm told that it's probably way too early to even discuss that at this point in time. Can you see that perhaps happening? Uh, look, I think she's, uh, she's got to work her way through the Independent Commission Against Corruption issues uh, first. Uh, you know they are reasonably serious charges, and so uh, let's uh, let's see how that pans out. Um, I think Zali Stegall's doing a doing a beaut job there, shining a light on climate change and a government that's uh, uh, refusing to engage with the rest of the world and looking like leaving us a, a bit of a pariah when this Glasgow meeting comes up at the end of the month. Uh, you know, well, Scott Morrison being treated. Is he going, or we don't know yet. Looks looks like he isn't, uh, despite the fact that uh, other world leaders are calling on him to go. There's been, uh, uh, it's, we know it's going to be an important meeting. We know that Australia, that other countries will be represented by their heads of state, uh, and that at a time when Scott Morrison wants to be taken seriously on the world stage, really he should be at Glasgow. His, his predecessor will be there. All right, I'm hearing more and more about the Pandora Papers and tax havens. Uh, what's this all about? Well, there's another leak of uh, information from one of, the, one of the world's tax havens, again showing that tax havens are not just a place to uh, hide from taxes, but also a uh, hidey hole for a lot of illegality. Now, we've known for years that North Korea's used tax havens to hide the proceeds of sale of nuclear technology and drugs and counterfeiting and forced labour. Uh, Al-Qaeda used, used tax havens. Uh, the narcotics uh, kingpins, such as uh, Rafael Caro Quintero in Mexico, has used tax havens. Uh, and one estimate says that 
$4 in every five and the tax haven is there in breach of country's laws. Uh, Australia, For Australia, there's probably $100 billion of assets sitting in tax havens uh, and they're not the, uh, the, the average workers' assets. Uh, another study found that half of the money sitting in tax havens was owned by the richest one ten thousandth of the world's population. So this really is the super rich doing a super job of avoiding taxes.